This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 269 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Benefab Products, TotalSaddleFit.com, and EasySignsOnline.com. Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with an extra bonus, Glenn, our hey, producer. Hey, guys, guess what? <laughs> I have guys. news for you. I have, I have exciting news. Oh, what do you got? They what? Tell us you're exciting. We're it's, ready. It's, it's actually, I get to cross something off my bucket list. It's actually officially been on my bucket list. Uh, everybody knows that uh, my favorite horse is a Percheron. I've owned a couple big black Percherons in my life that weigh, well, the last one was 18 and a half hands and weighed a little over a ton. And uh, we loved him to death. He was a he was a great boy. Jennifer used to give dressage lessons on him to five year old kids, oh. and it looked like a little flea sitting up there. And their legs wouldn't even go around the side of the saddle. Uh, wow. <laughs> but but he was so quiet. He's like the quietest horse we had. We actually took him to the dressage competition. And besides him stopping to look at himself in the mirror, which he apparently <laughs> really liked to look at himself, uh, <laughs> he won, he won like blue ribbons in all the walk trot classes. And I don't know if it's the judge just gave it to him because he figured if that horse can pick up its feet and do anything, I'm thrilled. But he came home with all these blue ribbons, and you should have seen the other competitors when this one-ton horse was beating him. <laughs> he had the feet of, like, the, the, his feet were pie plates. I mean, they were huge feet. But uh, anyway, the World Percheron Congress people heard me saying that in a show with, uh, with Dr. Wendy Ying of the Driving Radio Show, my co-host over there, and they invited us to come up. So we're heading up to the World Percheron Congress in October in Massachusetts at the Springfield at the Big E. How cool is that? Congratulations. 800 to 1,000 Percherons. Whoa. Yes. That's a lot of tonnage. Since I have a foot injury, I hope nobody gets stepped on. Yeah, I know. (laughs) By the way, I I have been stepped on by my Percheron, and it hurts. (laughs) It really does hurt. hurt. That that might be an understatement. Yeah. 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 Your foot is guaranteed to be be black and blue after that. But the other cool thing is we get to – we're going to do a couple shows up there, but they also have invited Wendy and I to compete in the celebrity driving competition (gasps) where we're going to drive pairs, Percheron pairs, and we have to do an obstacle course. So, Why didn't they give you a six in hand? Exactly. (laughs) That would have been Well, you know what's funny about that, Philip, is I've driven singles and I've driven four in hands. I've never driven a pair. So oh, this will okay. be my first time. New for you. And oh, apparently wow. they want people with that it's their first time because they want things knocked over for the audience's benefit. Yeah. Glenn, I, said, I, I can take care of that. <laughs> Glenn, I think you should cheat and practice a little before you go out. I'm going to yeah. go down and visit what? Wendy, and Wendy's going to have me drive a couple pairs. Yeah, I'm Heck gonna, yeah. I'm going to cheat a little oh, bit. Oh, there you go. You are going to cheat. I am going to cheat a little But we are sponsoring the Driving Radio Show is sponsoring the award for the worst celebrity driver who knocks over the most <laughs> stuff. And, you can't and, win. And I found a trophy, actually, that has a horse's butt on it. Horse's butt. Uh, it's just see, the I horse's think I've seen butt. That trophy yeah, before, so we're yeah. going to give that one out. You won it before, <laughs> Philip? <laughs> yeah. I'll say I've had it before. <laughs> I'm not talking anymore. <laughs> it's a radio show. You have to. Oh, okay. So, anyway, that's, uh, I, I just had to share cool. because it's so exciting. Uh, it's just on my bucket list, something I want to do. 
Well, that is awesome. Congratulations. And yeah, we can't wait to see pictures and hear. We actually hope somebody videos it. Oh, so I'm sure there'll be a video. I'm That's sure what I'm saying. We just want to see you. Wendy actually can drive. She was, uh, she was shortlisted for the WEG team for 2010, so she knows how to drive fours and pairs. Uh, not me. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad she's on your team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give her the reins, Glenn. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm just going to say. <laughs> Well, we are actually recording the show a little bit early, um, and that's my fault. Um, uh, next week actually is a really busy week here in Lexington. It's the end of Pony Club Festival. So um, I r- go right from Pony Club Festival to uh, – I'm traveling actually to Texas to um, – pick out a new horse for one of my clients. So uh, we needed to kind of get organized a little bit early, and that's my fault. So we're going to skimp a little bit more in the news um, this week, and I'm really sorry about that. Uh, But take a look at our Facebook page. We will make sure that if anything happens, we will put it on the Facebook page so you can see for this week. So, um, But I know it's going to be a great rest of Akin and the great rest of Young Riders. And um, yes. Do you know how to work the Facebook page? No, but you do. <laughs> I, I, I do. If I can get to it off of my phone, I can. But I'm. that was more, again, so as we all knew, no, I don't do anything technical, which includes the Facebook page. Um, so I don't record. I don't do Facebook. I just show up. So uh, that's my thing. So, uh, But anyways. So your expertise is in talking a lot. Yes. Thank you. That Apparently, is. That's my, that that's is my thing. Expertise. That's all I do. That's your thing. Yes. That's all I do. That's good. You, you do it well. That's great. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I there's a thread that I know you guys know. I'll, I'll back it up if I have to start recording. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not playing anymore, kids. So, we know, you know, or but we'll make sure Philip. If and if if he doesn't post appropriately, everybody bitch at him because he. <laughs> that's his okay. problem. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, we have an awesome show today. I'm really excited. <laughs> We have Hillary Moore Hebert, contributing editor from Dressage Today, on for her monthly segment. And she's going to talk a little bit about what we can find on um, the online part of Dressage Today, which is really cool. I think uh, I could have used it this morning when I was sitting getting my oil change for sure. And then we have and a she's one- gonna, Well, don't, hang on, Hillary. Oh, sorry. There's sorry? like a news thing. There's, yes. there's this, this news thing about Hillary herself riding a dollar horse to uh, some great results and fourth level and i think precinct george as well so it's exciting to have our contributor you know that she's she doesn't just talk the talk she's been walking the walk lately right so that's really fun exactly no we're really excited for her and and um yeah we'll hear all about it here shortly and uh, for our adult amateur spotlight uh we have uh laura phillips and i think you guys are gonna really enjoy hearing her story she is a corporate lady um she has some physical um uh issues that she has to deal with with riding and uh she just got her silver medal which has been a long time goal of her very inspiring yeah Mm -hmm. sounds like an amazing lady Yes, she is. So I hope you all enjoy having Laura on the show. So right after this commercial break, we will go to our contributing editor, Hilary Moore Hebert, uh, for our monthly Dressage Today segment. Are you tired of treating your horse for soreness? Well, then be proactive. Benefab offers you and your horse a natural remedy to joint and muscle stiffness, inflammation, and circulatory deficiencies. Benefab offers a variety of innovative products, like saddle pads and polo wraps and quarter sheets for your horse, and socks and blankets for you. Simply ride in it or wear it and feel the difference Benefab's ceramic-infused products make. 
You can check them out online at benefabproducts.com or you can call them toll free at 855-957-8378. Well, we are so excited to have contributing editor from Dressage Today, Hillary Moore Hebert, on for her segment this month. Hillary, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We are great. So, Hillary, we have an awesome press release about you. Should I give you a drum roll, Glenn? Glenn, drum roll. I don't have one. <laughs> there we go. Okay, Glenn. <laughs> that actually sounds like a, an actual drum. That was pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty good. Go. Are, oh, am I supposed to do something? No, you, you've got the press release. You've in got front the press release, Clay. Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't realize you actually wanted me to do something. I was uh, yeah, come on. That was all what right. the drum roll was Let's for. Let's do the drum roll again. Okay, Hillary. I get a thousand press releases a day, and I was so excited to get one. I actually wanted to read, and it was about you. <laughs> oh, you did? Yes, it says Hillary <laughs> Moore Hebert. By the way, great last name. Rides a dollar horse at the fourth level. So first yeah. of all, how'd you come across a dollar horse? And so who'd you steal that from and then took it all the way to the fourth level? With a good score. So, you got to add with a good score. Yeah, with, hey, with great a good scores. Score. With a great score. Great, yeah. great scores. Yeah. So here's um, the, the even more exciting news is actually I just got back from Dressage at Lexington and I took him in the pre-St. George Challenge. So Ooh. he's now doing pre-St. George. Even um, better. And yes, and he is a dollar, but I didn't buy him. My trainer, Yana Dyer, did, and she is absolutely awesome. Um, but she got him because, um, you know, he was not necessarily, um, you know, on the right track. I'm not entirely sure of the whole story, but when she got him, um, you know, he just needed a lot of training. He needed to build trust with a rider. And so she said, you know, here's this horse and here's an opportunity to kind of work through some things. And she has definitely been responsible for, you know, creating his program. And um, I have had the wonderful opportunity to ride him. And we went out, uh, I guess, at the end of May thinking, okay, let's just take him and do a third level test at Dressage at the Meadow and see how it goes. And, um, you know, we'll do a fourth level one test and, um, he won, and uh, then we went to another show, and he did fourth level, and he got a 70%, and he was high score in huge classes. He was high score for the whole weekend for fourth level, and um, so I'm really excited. I should knock on wood a thousand times, but, you know, I think the scores are good enough that we're, the plan is to take him to Devon, and um, so he's gone out four times this season, and we have... Uh, seven first place ribbons and seven second place ribbons and two high scores. So wow. it just goes to show that you do not need a million dollars to do well. Um, so I've been really proud of him and it's been fantastic. He lives up to his name, guys. Why not? Why, why yeah. not? I love it. Oh, yeah. So Hillary, tell us about why not. So he is a... Um, 2005, it's funny, he has uh, a later birthday, so he's turning nine, um, and he's a Hanoverian um, that is obviously from the W line, uh, and he's an absolute sweetheart, but um, he lives in a field with a run-in shed. He's very low maintenance, doesn't get any, you know, joint supplements or anything, 
and um, you know he just does his thing and uh, is very fun to ride is a little bit, um, you know, needed to have a confident rider the first couple of shows. If anyone was watching the test, they won't tell you what happened, but it was not as smooth as it goes now. Um, but we took him into the Lexington grandstand in the indoor ring without really having time to school it, and he didn't bat an eyelash. So he's doing fantastically well, so I'm really proud of him. Well, and we're really proud of you too. That's really huge to to be able to do that. And you're absolutely right. You never know where that horse will come from. So congratulations. That's really amazing. Well, and I also want to give a shout out because since I have posted that, the number of people who have written to me that have said that they also have horses that they have gotten from, um, you know, an auction or they've practically adopted from somewhere. Uh, there's one person, Elizabeth, who she's in our area and she also is doing pre-St. George. She's an amateur and she got her horse for $500 and is, um, you know, I think one score away from her silver medal. Um, it just is really neat to see. And uh, our company has a program called a home for every horse that's on equine.com where there's horses that are listed at rescues that are available. And there's actually quite a few that um, if I had any space in my barn, I would think about getting because there's, um, you know, some really nice horses that have training. And especially with the economy and the cost of horse keeping and everything, people just end up with horses that they can't afford anymore that have lots of potential. And it's amazing to see what you can get for you know, a dollar, $500 or a thousand dollars. And, um, I, I just really like those stories because you can find them out there. It's so true. You can. It's awesome. But again, like I always tell people, it's not the cost of the horse. It's the upkeep, right? Vet yeah. bills and monthly, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that's what costs the money. I mean, so it's, it's great if you can go out and, and not spend a lot of money and get a great horse. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then spend, thousands of dollars on the show entries <laughs> yeah that's right that's right there we go well that's a great story about hillary fantastic now you can give us a, a little update from the magazine yes so i decided um it would be really fun to go through some of the stuff in terms of the um things that we have on dressagedayday.com because there's tons and tons of content that is there with the site having just recently been renovated and updated whatever the technical term is for it. Um, and I wanted to share them with you. And the first one is uh, by Jeremy Beal. It's an Ask the Experts on Putting Your Horse Onto the Bit. And he is just gives a really great answer. Um, and he, he says something that he is quoting from the British Horse Society's manual. And I wanted to repeat it because I think it's great. It says, a horse is said to be on the bit when his hocks are correctly placed he is flexed at the pole, relaxed in his lower jaw, and ceases to offer resistance to his rider's hand. And I thought that that was really interesting because um, you have people always thinking a horse is on the bit. They're looking at sort of that rounded frame of the neck that the horse's head is on the perpendicular, but they think so much of what they see in front of them. And I like how this starts with a horse is said to be on the bit when his hocks are correctly placed, and that's what it you know, is the key, I think, to everything is you're talking about really the connection through the horse's body. 
That makes a lot of sense. And I like that. I mean, it it was interesting because I actually scribed at Young Riders yesterday. And it was really interesting to sit in the box and see, you know, the whole day. And we saw all the Young Riders. Um, And there were so many horses. Honestly, we didn't even really see a very good collected trot, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. So I would have loved to have given the magazine to a bunch of the riders and said, hey, come on, listen to this or, you know, think about the placement of the hawks. I think that that's really important to do. So um, I like that idea and that people need to keep thinking about that. Yeah. And something that you said, Hillary, it's, it's not, you know, everybody gets focused on the neck and the, and the head placement, but it's, you know, the, the entire body of the horse is important. You know, the hawks as well, but the back and the relaxation, I mean, there's so many pieces that need to come together for the horse to be correctly you know, on the bit, as they say, we'll put it in quotations here, but, um, you know, it starts from the hawks and the, and the energy from the hawks and, you know, don't, don't focus on the head and neck because, you know, everybody can ride and draw reins, right? And, and put the head down. That's not, that's not a problem, but it's the really tough part is getting the submission the relaxation and energy through the entire horse from back to front and back again, right? So, uh, yeah, it's a great point and a great discussion. And it's funny that you should mention that because my next tip is about creating and maintaining rhythm at the trot with Suzanne Lundis. And she says exactly that same kind of thing when she talks about uh, the rider and following the horse's back. She says that harmony arises when the landing phase of the rider's weight in the saddle matches exactly with the landing phase of the horse's weight. If the impact of the rider's weight occurs only a fraction of a second later than the horse's, he will receive a downward push at the very moment when he has begun to rise in his body to take the next step, and this will make every trot flat. Wow. She has really cool things to say. We saw her at the Global Forum, and it's it's really amazing. There's different ways to think and look at things, yeah. I love her tips and, you know, all the stuff I've I've tried to read. I haven't gotten her book yet, but um, she was inspiring with her discussion at that forum, really, because um, it's just another great perspective. Easy Signs Online is the official sign company of the Horse Radio Network. This week's product highlight are their personalized nameplates. Perfect for horse stalls, tack rooms, lockers, bedroom doors, dog kennels, or whatever you can think of. Choose from hundreds of online graphics to further customize the nameplates from EasySignsOnline.com. Made from one half inch thick solid PVC signboard, these colorful and unique one-sided nameplates are three and a half inches by 16 inches and are designed for durability, long-term indoor or outdoor use. They are only $39.95 each, and remember, free shipping on most orders over $100. Visit them at EasySignsOnline.com. And then the next tip, I wanted to sort of stay in the same theme, so I got an Ask the Experts from Melissa Jackson on Back to Front Explained. And I thought that this summed up, um, you know, sort of all the things we've talked about so far. She says, when watching other people ride, take in the complete picture. Rain contact should be a product of power coming from the horse's hind leg. A training level horse in proper contact will look much different from a Grand Prix horse. But the important concept, no matter the level, is that the horse is moving freely forward with an elastic connection. 
and that connecting horse from back to front is the idea that energy starts in the hind legs, moves over the top line, and re- is received by the r- rider's hands. So I thought that that was just a really nice way to sum that up. And I think it's a neat thing that in terms of having sort of these online tips all together is you can kind of read on one subject but get this comprehensive covering of all the topics and, you know, see how everybody says it because I think it helps cover a lot of things, uh, you know, and saying it in different ways. Yeah, no, I think that that's great. And Hillary, remind us, a lot of these tips are coming off the the, e- the internet site, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so if you guys go, I had talked about this a while ago, and I just want to remind everybody that if you go to uh, the website, dressagetoday.com, there's something called Learn by Levels, and you you do it at the top, and if you look, it will say Introductory Level Training and so on until FEI. If you pick your level, so say I am at a third level rider and I click it, and I'm actually doing that right now just to give an example of what actually comes up, you have this back to front explained, like I just said, because it's something that's important at every level, but you also have things like um, how to correct a lateral walk and things that would be relevant to your level. So say you're a training level rider, it's not going to give you a bunch of things that are uh, covered in the, you know, how to do the Piaf Passage transition. So it's only going to be things that are going to really cover what it is that's important to you. Oh, I love that. And I, 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 I thought about it this morning and I ended up doing something else. But when you're, I had to get an oil change. So I'd sit there for an hour. That would have been perfect for me to sit down and read through some of those. I really love that option. And we all have times when you're sitting in a carpool or you're sitting at the doctor's office and you need something to read. So that would be perfect to pull out. I love that idea. Well, and I think the important thing is, and it goes back to what Melissa said in the Ask the Experts, is there's different training at different levels. And how she says, you know, that you're going to think of back to front the same, but it's a different frame that you're looking at if you're at training level versus Grand Prix. I think it's really important when you're reading an article or getting tips from something like a clinic that you're auditing is I think it's important to understand the level that is being covered. And here would be an example that I think is very relevant. I had one of my students' grandkids come to visit this morning, and she was doing a riding lesson. And it was very funny to me because my student is learning how to have, if the horse falls in, she uses her inside leg to push the horse out. And her daughter is riding and the horse falls in. And I say to her, you know, take your outside rein and, you know, open it a little bit towards the outside and pull. But this girl, you know, is just learning to do the walk. So we're talking about, you know, fundamental, let's just get back to the track. And my student said to me, why is it that you're having her steer with her reins when you just told me not to steer with my reins? And I thought it was a really interesting learning experience for everybody to make sure that you're clear with people because there's so much in riding that you have to kind of do stuff that maybe down the road isn't going to always be right. For example, steering with the reins, or you have someone who's just learning to ride, you stop by, you know, squeezing with the reins. You say to somebody five years later as they're riding around and they say to you, well, why is it that I don't need to pull with the reins to stop? Now you're having me do it with my feet. 
they have to understand that now they have body control enough that you can ask for that. Um, you know, and that's not something a beginner can do, but I always find it sort of interesting because I get that question a lot of, you know, why is it that for years you've been having me do X, Y, or Z, and now we're doing this and it's different and they need to understand because they're kind of moving to the next level. I think that's an awesome point. I, I, and I also had an experience today. I have a writer that we have the opportunity, we have a new school heart, a schoolmaster, and he's a pre-St. George machine. But, you know, we're just learning how to do flying changes and we're just learning, you know, shoulder in and half passes and, and all this stuff. And it was funny because her friend was next to me and said, oh, she should be doing this and she should be doing that. And I said to her, I said, all in due time. Right now, I need her to, I, you know, I have a very clear vision on what I'm trying to teach her right now. And I think that that's really important as you go through um, to know sometimes, you know, we teach instructors have people from beginners to Grand Prix and you kind of know the progression. Sometimes when you come in and, and you may say, oh, she needs to learn this. And it's like, wait a minute, it's not in the progression that I want to teach her. And that's a little bit what you're talking about is I, you had a progression on what you were teaching the beginner rider toward a more advanced rider. And I think that that's important to know that. And I think it's important when you read any information that, like you said earlier, it's important to know the level that it's, it's directed toward because that's a big deal because I do have students that come in and they say, Oh, I should be doing this with my legs and I should be doing that. And you know, they're, they're far below that level of, they can comprehend it with their brain, but they're not quite there with their body. So, uh, we, we do talk about that. So I think that that was a really interesting way to think about it. So I like, that was a good way to do it yeah i mean that 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 applies to riders as we teach them and horses too right you can't ride a four-year-old like a grand prix horse it's very important that the horses learn you know the progression when you know when you've gone through the levels as a rider and as an instructor you have an idea of where you want to go but you can't just go there you know with a snap of your fingers even you know great riders have to teach the horses as they come along through the levels and as they get better balance and better energy and you know, it's it's just, you know, one thing after another. And, and when you've, you know, if you're a new rider or, or even if you're, you know, an experienced rider who's, who's attempting a new level, you know, these things start start to come together. And that's why you need an instructor to, to put you on the right path. And, you know, why young horses need a good rider to put them on the right path. Not necessarily teach them PF massage at four or five years old, but to get the components that will be necessary when they are ready for that, riders and horses. You know, you guys were just talking mainly about riders, but it, it comes together in the same way. It's it's you know educating riders and horses um, towards the highest levels of competition, and and there's a way to do that, and the way to explain certain things very simply, and to focus on the right thing at the right time, right? So again, all this information you know that we talk about that are that is in the magazine is on the websites. It's all within a context of, you know, for this horse and this rider at this particular time, this is an important point to learn and important and, and something to focus on at this time. And then later on, like, you know, as an instructor that teaches, you know, certain people in like monthly intervals and in clinics and types of things, you know, you just say, and then you come back and the person fixes a problem or, or the, the horse gets fixed in a certain way and then you say, okay, that goes out the window now. We need to focus on something else. And, and the inside leg is a very important example of this because when we teach young horses um, to balance, 
you know, we do, I, I, you know, especially do a lot of leg yielding and pushing them towards the outside, pushing them towards the outside rein. And once they got that, it's, it now becomes a problem of drifting through the outside rein. And all of a sudden you have to, you know, as you're working from first level to second level, you know, now you have to kind of close your outside rein and ride the horse from, from the outside back to the inside a little bit. And then, you know, people say, and just like you said, Hillary, like, oh, I've been using my inside leg. I've been doing lots of leg yield. This is great. And then I say, okay, it's done now. Right, the horse is to the outside rein. It is good. So, just trying to give a little bit of example of that, whether it's it's just a horse, you know, a horse that you're schooling, or whether it's a horse and rider that you're schooling. Not everything is is you know, not all the information is, is great because it needs a little bit of context about you know what you know how how high the horse is trained and and how how much the rider knows and stuff like that. So, I think that's a great discussion topic, and uh, and uh, the more people bring that up, and you know, the more useful the information is is that that we throw at people so it's a great point and i think you know that feeds into my last training tip is um shauna harding did an article talking about riding for a six before you aim for a 10 and i think that what you just said exactly feeds into that idea of you know make sure that you have the basics down before you start going crazy with trying to do all this advanced stuff but again, understanding where you are in the grand scheme of things. So just like you said with training the horse, knowing when it's time to move on, it's sort of in the same respect of saying you need to first know that you have it, and then you can start to say, where do we go from there? Um, you know, so I, I thought that that was a really interesting thing that she said. Um, and Michael Barazone, same thing. We did an interview with him, and he talked about the same kinds of things of, you know, rides consistency first and then when you know that you have it then you can go ahead and move on to you know trying to get more so I like that idea and you know how that can apply to what you just said in terms of just training in general well and I love that tip you know that the idea of riding for a six because we talked about that yesterday as I was scribing and a 70 percent is all sevens and a seven is fairly good so just keep that in mind, you know, as you're going through your test and, and, and or riding. And, you know, again, if you have a chance to scribe ever, it's a really good opportunity because after watching, I don't know how many St. George's we did yesterday, but a lot at the young riders, you know, it was the little things. I don't think we gave above an eight. Uh, I don't I think we gave one eight on the center line all day yesterday and very few sevens to canter in and halt. It was tough. Nobody did it, you know, and, yeah. and, and nail it, right? You yeah, nail it. Yeah. yeah. Come don't, in and nail it. <laughs> don't don't miss uh, points on a circle in the St. George. I, I can't tell you how many kids did a great shoulder in. They did a great half pass, but they did a horrible circle in the St. George. So I think it's along those same lines of Reese, it's hard. It is hard, Philip. It is <laughs> I will give you that. It is hard. Okay. But I think it, it it is something to keep an eye. I keep you know think about and and do think about. Sometimes riding for the seven is is great, but don't forget that there are other things along the movements that you know, like the circle or like the center line, um, that will help you not um, you know that won't that will affect your score as much as the half pass or the shoulder end. So, just another little tidbit from yesterday for sure. So. Well, Hillary, as always, we thank you so very much for coming on the show this week. And uh, we have our fingers crossed for Devin and all the fun things that you have with your horse coming forward. I love it. So how can our listeners find you online? 
Um, you guys can find all of the articles we talked about and many more on dressagetoday.com. And oftentimes we highlight ones on our Facebook page, which right now we have a great one with Shannon Duick. It's a two-part on doing the working pirouettes, which I will admit, talking about my $1 horse, I went and revisited before we did our fourth level test and it helped a lot. So, um, go ahead and look at Facebook and then also Twitter to follow things um, as we have everything with Aachen and going into the uh, WEG later in the year. We will have a lot of things like scores and results and fun stuff like that. Hi, this is Gina Moronic from Wisconsin, and I am an official Horse Radio Network auditor. It's something I'm really proud to do and to be a part of in a small way because... It's something that I get a lot of information from. The Horse Radio Network uh, and the convenience of the downloadable podcasts means that I can improve my horsemanship skills, my riding skills, um, or just really enjoy listening to friendly, informative programming whenever I'm driving to work or working on chores or at the barn even. So I hope you find it as enjoyable as I do. If you do, go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner to become a Horse Radio Network auditor. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be involved in this great thing too and keep it going. Thanks. Well, I hope everyone enjoys this adult amateur spotlight. Laura Phillips, who is the corporate controller for Brown Foreman in Kentucky, and she's going to talk about winning her silver medal. Well, it is my pleasure this evening to have my student, Laura Phillips, on the line. Laura is the VP and corporate controller at Brown Foreman in Louisville, and she is uh, also USDF's newest silver medalist. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Reese. We had we had quite a, a weekend last weekend. Yeah, all um, these silver medals. We had yeah. lots of silver medals last weekend. <laughs> um, so it's so cool. So Laura, I just you're such an inspiration, being a corporate woman and fitting dressage into your life. So talk to us a little bit about how you started riding, and uh, then we'll move into your career in dressage. Sounds good. I was very fortunate to do a lot of riding when I was young. That started doing. Hunters, jumpers, the big equitation classes. So was, yeah, very fortunate in terms of my parents' support. They're not um, super wealthy, but I had um, one quality horse of my own and then had the opportunity to do a lot of catch riding, which I think is one thing that I've noticed is very different about hunters and jumpers and dressage. It's a lot easier as a good rider to catch ride horses, um, jumping horses than it is dressage horses. I know. I was talking to somebody else about that. I mean, just to be on a tangent, you know, every once in a while, but I was, you know, I was saying to one of my students, like, you just need to ride more, you know, ask people if they, you can ride their horse or, you know, gain, gain some more experience, but, and, and they're a dressage rider. And, and it's like, well, you know, people don't really want me to ride their dressage horse. I said, just ask them, go out there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little bit. It's it's a totally different thing, and I, and I thought, well, it would be really, would be really nice if if dressage riders got off their own horse for a, for a while and, and see, you know, experience different horses. I think that's really, that's really good. I'm glad you brought that up. Anyway, it's just sorry. Well, it, it's <laughs> to the point you're just making. You know, so much of your riding is about seat time. Yeah, and time in so the tack, was, right? That's why I tell mm-hmm. people time in the tack, and you can only ride your own horse for so long. 
you know, a day that, that you know, you got to find some other horses to ride. Even if they're not the best horses, every horse will teach you something. So I think... Well, and that was totally my attitude. It, it certainly was my attitude as a child and the sort of horsemanship I was taught, and it's definitely carried over as an adult. So I, I rode everything. Um, so grew up in Ohio and rode uh, ultimately with, with Howard Lewis, who recently passed away. But I'm really dating myself because it was the AHSA then before the... <laughs> it's okay. You're fine. Right? But <laughs> but was, you know, was an AHSA Horseman of the Year. And that was a time when kind of everything under the sun came through the Sugar and Valley Hunt Club. And that's what I rode, whether it was conditioning polo ponies or green broke babies or horses off the track that were doing... Yeah, their very first work over fences, ground free jumpers, everything in between. So he he would give me a ride list. Yeah, that would be six to eight horses a day I'd ride in addition to my own. And it it ran the gamut and I was grateful for every one of them. So Laura, so how did, was, yeah, how did you switch to dressage? Well, uh my parents were really clear um <laughs> that you know, so they for for the means that they had, you know, funded a, a riding education that, yeah, I'm really grateful for and has served me well. They were very clear, though, that um, my horse was going to get sold uh, before I went to college and that my undergraduate education was the last thing they were going to pay for. And they had a very firm belief that, you know, I'm responsible for my own happiness and I needed to find my own way in life, whatever that was going to be, except they would not allow me to try to ride professionally. I found my own happiness in life, but I better find something to do that was practical because if I wanted to ride, I needed to do it um, uh, as an amateur and on my own nickel because, you know, kind of a no fool. And the last thing they were going to pay for was my undergraduate education, Um, which again is fantastic, right? Very fortunate to to have had that kind of support, Um, (laughs) but, but took them at their word. Yeah. So, so from, age 18 to 30, um, was just doing catch riding because, you know, through college, uh, that suited me, but then certainly as, as a young professional and yeah, what, um, what was a practical career became accounting and finance. So started working in public accounting and from, you know, graduating undergraduate to age 30, I just couldn't justify having my own horse. Because I, I could only ride Saturday and Sunday. And at that point, again, mostly still in the hunter-jumper world, um, could find wonderful horses that, yeah, I could catch ride. That, and as I think, again, it's probably the finance background, right? Like the amortized cost of what is it, what does it cost to support my own horse in full training and board and the whole nine yards? And now amortize that over the six to eight times I might be able to ride in a month. And the cost per ride was like, holy cow, I, I I just can't do that yet. And I certainly missed, though. Uh, Reese knows um, a little bit of a, you know, type A personality, um, like having things under my control. So certainly one of the things that you don't have when you're catch riding other folks' fine horses um, is the ability to control much of their management. So, I mean, all the horses I was riding were very well cared for. Right, but some of them just managed differently than I would have if they were my own horse and under my control. So, really looked forward to the day when, when ultimately I was going to want my own horse. And and always as an amateur, kind of balancing, you know, what's objective and what makes 
objective financial and other sense and what's just a purely emotional decision. Um, and it was somehow I found my way to moved around for work. Um, and at this point was living in New York, um, and still mostly, um, yeah, it moving around in the hunter jumper world and found my way uh, to being a demo rider at a Linda Tellington Jones clinic and ran into a dressage rider there. Um, who that was really how I got hooked into dressage because she was um, having health problems, did not know um, at the time uh, that she'd ultimately be diagnosed with MS um, and just wasn't strong enough, healthy enough to ride her own horses um, and had several horses at home, um, including two Grand Prix horses um, that she had had in trading with Ann Gribbons. So, um, Super fortunate there that um, my first exposure to dressage was, as you can imagine, on really, really nice horses. Wow, you kind of um, you kind of lucked into it there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, I mean, moon and stars aligned, right? I mean, definitely yeah. a, a charmed path in that regard. And so her her Grand Prix horses were older and retired and not very fit, but still um, way more than I knew how to handle. Right? Incredibly humbling. In terms of how do you sit on that horse and and get that horse um, kind of horse on the bit, very different um, than than the hunters and jumpers I've been riding. Um, but on one of those early rides, um, did what she assured me was not even an extended trot, a medium trot <laughs> on one of the retired Grand Prix horses, and that was like the coolest thing I'd ever felt in my entire life. So that was. That was a very easy sell. Hooked, from, hooked right from there. That moment huh? on. Yes. Hooked right there. <laughs> it, uh, that that and, and suited me professionally um, because it it also fit nice with a risk management decision for me. Yeah. Where <laughs> it's you know horses are horses. It's an inherently high risk activity no matter what you're doing. Stuff happens. Um, stuff tends to happen more often though when you're jumping at a high level. <laughs> Um, yes. And so that, you know, in terms of being an amateur and, and supporting myself and riding as a hobby, um, that, that it, it just came to me at the right stage in my life where it, it I fit, had I think, well, right? just more it patience well. for dressage. It, it was something I was very easy for me to get very passionate about and very excited about. And, and I thought fit, fit really well in, in terms of what, the kind of writing I wanted to do. Um, that's that's but, awesome. But I did subsequently find out then that, uh, yeah, it, it was not as easy to ride other people's dressage horses. No, um, and, not... and then exactly. particularly, you know, fairly early on had set my sights on, well, I ultimately want an FEI horse and I want to be able to ride FEI. And at that point, um, that goal was, a little more ambiguous for me. What what did that mean? Was that, you know, getting to pre-St. George? Was that Grand Prix? Where where in FEI dressage was that? Um, but I hadn't gotten that precise about that yet. But it, it became pretty clear to me early on that it was going to be incredibly difficult to do, to ride at that level dressage on someone else's horse. So, so, Laura, is that is that how you ended up getting your current current horse, Marcy? 
It is. I mean, so for most of most of my 30s, then was riding dressage and riding lower level horses, and and tried a young horse that was um, basically my a payment plan toward an FEI horse, you know, that I couldn't afford to write a big check all at once. I thought, well, I'll spend still a fair amount of money on a really promising young horse. And I'll have, by the time she grows up into an FEI horse, I'll have basically the same amount of money into her, but, but over a longer period of time. Um, and it was, um, it was, she was um, spectacular um, in terms of physical ability and just beautiful horse. Really difficult though. Um, ultimately, low marks on trainability. Yeah. <laughs> so her her ultimate We've heard that career story path. Was, yeah, it was not as an FEI horse, and it was yeah. So the, the the one of the happiest things, and yeah, another kind of charmed part of my life was was getting connected with the horse that I have now, Marcy, who is a German bred Hanoverian. He just turned twenty one. And I've been riding him for seven years now. And at the time that he and I met, I did have the opportunity to lease him for a little while um, before I bought him. And I thought he was not what I wanted. Because um, <laughs> I, I, as you know, balancing the objective and the emotional, I, as an emotional amateur, wanted to um, buy a horse and give that horse a four-life home. And I really didn't want to make a commitment to an older horse that I thought would, you know, be short on competitive time with me and longer on, you know, retirement and financial drain. And and I and I wasn't sure at the time that I met Marcy he was gonna be kind of the best at the school master. Um, but he's he still well, we we just um Got the silver last weekend. Yeah, so at 21, still going remarkably strong. And he's um, he's been exactly what I needed. He was, you know, right away just looking at pictures of me, one of my best friends that I'd grown up riding hunters with. She and I still keep in touch. And she said right away, just from the pictures that she had seen of me riding, the young, talented mare versus Marcy um, was... Gosh, you just look so much happier and so much more comfortable in Mercy. You know, just something about the pictures on the young, the super talented young difficult one was a, you know, you just, you, you, it was that look of real focus and concentration and just, it wasn't the relaxation and happiness that she saw. I mean, she keyed on it, keyed in on it immediately just from seeing, you know, two pictures of me. So, Laura, you also have a really, really cool health story, which it it would it makes it even more complicated to do what you've been able to do. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Sure. I was born with a very rare skin disease called lamellar ichthyosis. Uh, it is genetic, um, hence the born with it, and mm. it means that um, my skin reproduces too fast and uh, doesn't shed fast enough, so it builds up in scales. So it looks um, very dry. A lot of folks mistake me for a burn victim, but probably the aspect of it that's most relevant to writing is that I physically can't sweat, um, cannot perspire, so I have no natural way of cooling myself down, which is 
makes hard. it yes, very difficult. That's, a, that's a problem Kentucky. in Kentucky and in anywhere Kentucky. south of that. Yeah. Yes, in Kentucky <laughs> in the summer, it, it, it oh, you sweat when you walk outside. <laughs> there was um, an article I, I wish I know who to attribute it to last year or so in the Chronicle of the Horse that talked about what an athletic endeavor riding dressages, particularly upper level dressage. And that really resonated with me because it, it is even more of an athletic endeavor, which makes yeah it even harder for me, yes, in terms of heat management. Um, and yeah, so for starters, need to need to ride them as early in the day as possible. So getting uh, the silver medal done uh, the other weekend was uh, done with a dispensation certificate to be able to ride without the coat. Um, so that saddens me greatly uh, since riding pre-St. George is still new and I haven't worn the tailcoat um, very many times. One. It's beautiful. It, <laughs> thank you. It's, I don't have very many pretty, pretty pictures of me in the shed belly, so it really pains me to ride without it. Um, but the, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I was not able to wear it. Uh, not even a chance. Um, and uh, super nice folks um, managing the show, you know, asking in addition for an early ride time. Yeah, because when it's warm, riding without a coat isn't nearly enough um, to help me out. I'm still, yeah, getting really overheated. So it's uh, tailoring my warm up, yeah, to be quite short. Uh, so I'm not overheated before I even get in the ring. Um, and then was really fortunate to um, have the very first ride of the day, you know, right at 8 a.m. So it and, was and you know, thankfully as, as cool it, as it was going to get. Yeah, it was it was it was a relatively cool morning, but we had had a heat wave that that week and we were both watching the weather and oh, praying that we wouldn't have that heat wave. But you were, you know, tr- truly amazing because it was quite warm and, and you did great. And, and, but it just, it's a huge, it's another huge hurdle that you have to do to, to get these medals. And I think that's why you are so inspiring, not only just being a corporate woman and working the hours that you work and trying to stay fit. Um, you also have, I have a health concern. And so it makes it even more difficult to be able to reach that silver medal milestone and, um, you know, that's why you're truly an inspiration to me. And, and it's fun. You know, we, we communicate a lot. And I think that, you know, just talking with your trainer and, and being open and upfront and telling us exactly what you need and exactly what the horse needs. Um, we've created a really fun partnership between all of us. And it's been it's been quite a fun journey. You haven't been with me that long, but I can't wait to go for our I1 scores now and get the go toward the gold medal. I love it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so it is. As I've I've brought more focus into my writing goals. I mean, as you know, very much. Yep. Ultimately, want a gold medal. Um, yeah. You know, know that I will need to finish that um, on another horse. But that's the. Uh, <laughs> well, Marcy's still going strong. The the I one I think is is doable, but um he's he's going strong and he has also really risen to the occasion and and we've had a, a wonderful time with him as well. So, Laura, thank you so much for your time this evening. You even have people over at your house. I don't know how you do everything, uh, but thank you so much for your time tonight. And and you truly are an inspiration and and just showing everybody that it, it is possible to to kind of have it all and do everything and 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 still have your horses and be successful. So congratulations. 
Athens. And we'll have you on again when you get your gold medal. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. And this week we have a listener email. Awesome, eh? I love it. We love emails. Keep them coming. Yeah. So here, here it is. Here's the, the, the question for the dressage tip. I am a Western trail rider, but I love listening to your show from, for the en- entertainment and then the training tips that carry over. I would like to hear what dressage exercises that each of you would feel would be beneficial to a trail horse and rider. This is a good one. Yeah, I think this is a great one. And I think this is even something that can apply to when you take your horse out. And, you know, kind of a hacking question, right? Yeah. We always talk about like, what are some things you're doing outside? Right. So, you know, even starting from opening a gate. (laughs) So (laughs) I had a a young horse out in the field today and um, Ashley was riding him and they worked on opening a gate for, um, I think they were out there about 20 minutes. (laughs) They were, took a while. You know, he yeah. didn't want to move off the right leg. You know, there was no leg Push yielding. There was no and movement. Halt and get yeah, the and standing. So, so I think even just the basic idea of opening a gate, I think is super important. I think it's important anyways. I think horses should be able to open a gate. Um, so all our horses learn how to do that. And I think from a trail riding perspective, that's also very important. And, you know, you need your horse to move off your leg to go forward. And you also need them to move off your leg to go sideways. So I think any kind of leg yielding exercise, and it and it doesn't even have to be a, you know, you turn down the center line and, and at D you leg yield toward E. You know, you don't have to do that. It's just the the act of when you put your leg on and you want your horse to move away from it, that that's what you do. And yeah. I think that that's really important. Uh, so so just even the basic idea of a leg yield or. If you're, uh, we do it if we're by a tree, which I know it sounds silly, but you know, they have to move away so they don't run into the tree, right? So I think that that's a very basic that's application, yeah, that's very basic. But if you have a young horse that doesn't want to move away, then yeah. the tree will stop them and they will eventually move away from your leg. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I think, think it's, that's... it's rare that horses, um, naturally, you know, when you're first getting on, you're first teaching them would move equally away from the left leg and the right leg. So I think that's something important to work on, right? That mm-hmm. that will uh, get your horse's attention, get them busy. They get supple through their body. They're using their body better, and and it becomes uh, useful and helpful as you're out. You know, um, leg yielding is a great one. I I would say, uh, you know, as we're talking about, you know, opening, closing gates, and things like this, a turn on the forehand or a turn on the haunches. Yes. Yeah. You know, apply yep. the aids and be able to move your horse around without without them running away or or even. You know, trotting off when when you're using your legs and your hands a little bit. So, um, I mean, your horse doesn't have to be perfectly connected to be doing a little leg yield or a little turn on the haunches, right? You can just, you know, make sure you can move them around. I think that's that's very important that they understand that that when you say, hey, you know, there's a big ditch over there. Let's move away from it, right? That they understand that a little bit. I think that's super helpful. Exactly. uh, And and it helps the horse's bodies, right? So, I think that's a good one. Yes. Yeah, I think it's a great question and I think it applies, you know, because when we're hacking, I still want the horses to to be listening. You know, it's it is a mental break sure or we're working on fitness, so that's why they're out, but 
they're still working and they still need to listen to the aides and they still, you know, and then there's no, it's no fun to ride any horse. I don't care what discipline it is. If it's a show jumper or an event horse or a, a trail riding horse, if you put your leg on, you know, the response needs to be there. So I think that that's really important. So yeah, no, I think that's a great question. We love cross dis, you know, we like you, you doing discipline questions because I know Philip, uh, like myself, I, I do, I coach a lot of jumpers and I coach a lot of, uh, event horses. So it's nice to be able to um, kind of think in different ways on how dressage affects those disciplines. So it's the same thing with trail riding and, and riding your horse outside. So thank you for the question. We love it. And I hope that helps. This tip was brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed our trainer tip of the week. And please, 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 we love email and Facebook questions and shout outs. So send us some more questions. We love to answer them. And if Philip and I can't answer them, we will make sure we find an answer for you. So thanks for sending in the listener questions. We love it. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. 